Welcome back to the Bluemax podcast, my friend. Great, great to be back. Yeah, how are you doing? We're just, doing we didn't get a chance to catch up, uh, catch up yet, so we're going to be catching up on air, but how are you doing with the apocalypse? How are you uh, at home? I've just been hanging out at home. Uh, it's hard to <coughs> get into the routine, uh, but mm-hmm. I've mastered it now, I guess. Uh, the first week was really wasted, where you're just looking at the news every five minutes, and things mm-hmm. are changing so fast, where... You just distract, right? But yes. uh, I've kind of just gotten into a routine and things are back to normal as normal could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, back to normal as normal could be. So you're, you're used to working at home and doing freelance work, right? Yeah, and exactly. Building your own company. So the, 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 the difference with that is at least I can go out and meet people. It's harder to meet, do Zoom calls all the time for meetings. Um, yeah. It's harder to network a bit. Um, so that's the big change. Other than that, it's pretty much uh, regular. The, the big difference is normally I would like go out to a Starbucks or, you know, quantum coffee and just like work from there for a bit. Uh, now I'm just at home all day. So that's, you know, that's the big difference. How's that, uh, is that taking a toll on you being at home all the time? No, I think I've got, I've just gotten used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, man. So what's the latest and the greatest? What are you working on? Um, well, right now I've, other than like my, my own startup and contracting and stuff, what I really started mm-hmm. doing was I saw a bunch of just unemployment happening in the tech community everywhere and just globally yeah. everywhere, right? So I put out, uh, I've just been taking calls probably like four or five a day uh, for the past couple of days now. I think I've done almost 24 calls now where okay. it's, chatting with people who lost their job and ha- are in, you know, the people that call me, they're kind of in like a very interesting mindset. I would say like a growth mindset where they, they realize that they lost their job. It's shitty, but they also realize that this is an opportunity for them to kind of start a new path, right? A, a new career path or do something that they've always wanted to do, uh, but mm-hmm. haven't really had the chance. So, you know, a good, a good one was just yesterday. I was talking to an individual and he uh, is a salesperson uh, in America somewhere and decided after losing his job, had decided to start a tech startup. You know, for the past two years on the side, he's been doing programming. And so it's not that he's just like suddenly changing his career, but now he's been doing programming for fun. Now he actually wants to start a small startup, a business, right? So he wanted to run by his idea and ask me about where the steps to even get started. So. It's been interesting, right? Um, and I've been doing that, and I think that's been great. We, I had one uh, woman where she got laid off uh, from a university, and now she wants to start her own yoga business uh, because she's been thinking about this for a long time now, and mm-hmm. this has kind of given her the push. And so, you know, I was explaining to her how not to go to a contractor to build a website, just go to like uh, Webflow or Wix you know, all these like little hacks that us engineers, we figure out along the way, kind of just passing that knowledge along. Yeah, that's great. I mean, the fact that you're doing that, uh, kudos to you. Um, what have you been seeing? Like what type of people are losing their jobs? What type of people are being hired? You know, it's, it's actually, I've seen such a wide spectrum. There's no real pattern. Um, I've seen, I've had calls from around the world. So that's something interesting. It's not just North America that has job loss. I've had some calls from India. I've had some calls in Europe uh, and even some parts of, I think Mexico, I had one or two calls, right? And it's just, it's kind of everywhere. So 
it's it's interesting because this uh, the coronavirus or covid it kind of brought everyone together it's kind of like an equalizer for the world where it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor it's affecting everyone right and so i have people yeah. from all different demographics just like calling me and chatting with me about i want to learn this or i want to start this you know what advice do you have so it, it that's that's what i'm seeing amazing that's that, so this is what kind of synergistic to what we've been doing yeah, yeah. we've been doing this kind of the same kind of stuff so with bluemax uh, over here we've been calling up for people uh, who came up to our podcast uh, partners that we worked with um over the past two weeks and really man had conversations with about 30 plus companies similarly to how you're having conversations with people who lost their jobs and looking for new right. opportunities uh we're talking to startups who are facing disruption in the market space you know because three months four months of the runway now is in white pain conferences are gone right events are gone meetups are gone yep. they're working from home completely new reality they shifted to and it's uh, what we're seeing is like a lot of companies are falling into two buckets right one that are completely uh, completely disrupted and trying to figure out what's going on and in that they might have to have a cash flow keep going on or might have to put stop to a lot of activities and let go of a lot of people and then the second bucket as much as rare to find but for finding more and more of them is companies whose markets are booming yep. almost seemingly out of nowhere because of this because a huge market opportunity opened up i mean think about it over a billion people uh, connected by internet are now experiencing the same kind of issues working from home their business is disrupted right new process and new infrastructure required so a lot of companies are offering services that may have not been flying uh, like a month ago are suddenly crushing right are crushing right. and they can't handle their growth so what we've been doing on our end is trying to pair up these companies who now are experiencing rapid growth bring in the right skill sets to be able to um help them fill that right, right. to fulfill that growth the growth curve uh for example we have companies that are getting now sales calls uh coming in out of the blue or uh natively people download the app and using it because they're searching for that kind of service right and they still don't know how to handle that traffic yeah so uh maybe we, we could definitely have a lot after this call uh talk about that as well sure. uh about how we can pair those kind of people together with these companies yeah. that are doing well yeah i mean you that's a very interesting point you're seeing um you're seeing this event happen right now i mean you've seen this happen before right you've seen this with mm -hmm. just reading about what happened during the spanish flu and what happened during the great depression things yeah. things change and there's always new industries that form after this there's always new businesses that are going to be formed it's the world's not ending as much as we like to joke about it being the apocalypse it's not right it's just yeah. that the world can change and there will be whenever with change there's always good change and bad change there will be good change that comes from this and really bad change that comes from this so you know most companies that i see are trying to contribute to the good change uh they're trying to bring people uh trying to make people safer or trying to provide assistance to people um and those are those businesses will thrive uh definitely yeah yeah and hopefully right like we need a market to recover it's just it might be a new market um yeah. i think from people we're talking to it's like we're living in a re new reality Yeah. But there's no real going back to how things were even if there's emergency or emergency no. called off things won't ever be normal again right this will be a new normal mm -hmm. um i suspect that a lot of businesses will realize that you don't need a physical office right uh one of the companies that i work for were like five people in an office but we've been fine two weeks without an office so mm -hmm. there will be a discussion in the next couple of weeks of you know when when all this ends do we really need an office 
Like, do we really yeah. need to pay $4,000 in rent or can we just like save that $4,000 and maybe just pay ourselves more? Right. So there's a lot of things that companies will have to think about. Um, and this is kind of also on the flip side, a lot of um, uh, employees who probably thought that they can never remote work are probably going to go, well, I remote worked fine for the past two weeks. So now I can apply for remote working jobs and maybe move to a cheaper place. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe I want to move to Mexico and work for a company in San Francisco. You know, that's a great standard of living there. So you can, you know, mm -hmm. you learn a lot, you earn us dollars and you pay cheap rent. So I think we'll see that transition happen in the next, like, you know, six months after coronavirus is over. I don't know when it's going to finish. Yeah. Once that's done, we're going to start seeing people kind of make these decisions. No, definitely. Um, so what do you think about that timeline? When do you think uh, this virus situation is going to be over? You know, uh, a month ago, everyone on my Twitter feed was an epidemiologist and now they're in yeah. contact. So I, don't, I can't comment on any of those because uh, I am neither. But just like looking at the trends and stuff, you know, the data's out there. Mm. Uh, everyone keeps talking about this like, uh, apex point happening sometime mid-April. I'm not sure. Uh, I think yeah. it might be uh, wishful thinking. I think the, the mm. big here that I see is that there's a lot of people that just won't stay at home, right? Yeah. They have this like, you know, typically it's like, hey, what are you doing Friday night? Oh no, I just want to like stay at home and watch TV. And now people mm. have a chance to stay at home and watch TV and they don't want to. They just want to go mm. out and play. So, people like that are kind of delaying this timeline. It's, it's ironic. If they just stay at home for two weeks, things will go back to normal sooner. But um, I'm not sure when this will be over, but I think we'll probably go towards June, July, August. Uh, this will carry on for a while. And I think the effects will resonate for years to come. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it's going to be crazy looking back at how this has culturally and economically changed us. For sure. Um, because already companies I'm talking with, like big companies who are saying, you know, why will we go back to paying $30,000 a month on office space? We're exactly. functioning virtually, right? Yeah. Like all these uh, companies that were like, oh, you know, how can we transition away from this? We can't. If people, you don't bring people into an office space, you can't control their actions, but now they have to. And they realize that they can still get stuff done on a lower cost basis. And a lot of people are getting, are liking this like new work-life integration rather than work-life balance yeah. where work is different. Life is different, right? A lot of, some people are actually enjoying this where they can roll out of bed, start working, you know, hit, uh, set up the timelines and, you know, intermix with cooking and living yeah. with family. You know, I, I, we spoke about this last time I was uh, on the podcast. Yeah. I think work-life balance has been kind of, um, gets a bad rap sometimes where people think that a 5 p.m. 5 p.m. hits and that's it, no more work, right? Mm -hmm. But reality, if, you, if you're someone that wants to push your career and uh, in, in anything, tech, you know, arts, uh, doesn't matter what you're doing, there is real no work-life balance. What there is is a, um, uh, it's just constant juggle. It's, it's more juggling rather than balancing, right? Where you're just yep. about work probably for three hours and then you can spend, take two hours off and do something with your family, right? Uh, eat, cook dinner together and then go back to working, right? And I think that's, that's how people, like you said, people are realizing that's actually good uh, versus this like 5 p.m. hits, that's it, I'm not gonna do work anymore. And the, regarding remote working, I think what will be interesting to see is how creativity is affected by this. While I'm a big proponent for 
working remotely and I do it all the time, I do find that there is merit to actually being in a room together with people and because creativity does end up sparking there. Uh, just two okay. people talking over Slack doesn't really do it. Um, it's sitting there with someone and just brainstorming ideas or having a discussion where ideas can just kind of form together, right? Sometimes on Slack, you have an idea, but you're kind of hesitant to send that idea over because you really don't want to have a discussion right now, right? But when you're, when you're talking in real time, you kind of, that idea just kind of comes out of your mouth and then it might spur something else. So there will have to be a balance of that. I don't think that remote working 100% is the way to go. I think there will be like 80% remote, 20%. I think we might actually, another business that might just suddenly start growing is um, meeting room spaces, right? Kind of where ad hoc, you can pay monthly, uh, kind of like we, uh, a lot more. Sorry, saner. that's my dog in the background. My sister's dog. <laughs> kind of like a more saner business model where you can just like, pay a monthly fee and go get a meeting room uh, whenever you want with a bunch of people, right? So mm -hmm. we might see more of those businesses come out of this. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so many things to talk about, right? Like, I absolutely agree. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a salesperson, so like, I love talking to people in face to face. In fact, like, I will push prospects or people I want to talk to as much as possible to meet face to face because there's so much more transfer of trust and reliability, yep. right, between the two. Um, when that happens and when you like when you when you close a sale in that kind of manner where you know, you've met you've shaken hands with a person you you know you shared a meal or, or a beer together or like a, a beverage like it's much different sense of feeling behind that deal than it is in just a regular transaction yeah that that's how we we are we evolved that way right i bet you if we were to yeah. put put us in an mri and the mri is uh recording our brain patterns while we're on slack versus while we're eating a meal together, there will be different uh, hormones that run through our body, right? That will yeah. make us make different decisions and form mm -hmm. a better bond. Uh, there's actually a documentary on Netflix called Babies uh, that came out and they were talking about how oxytocin helps a lot in terms of like bonding two people together. And it doesn't matter, previously you thought that this was just the mother that bonds with her son, yeah, yeah. A child, but it actually could be a man too. They had two mm -hmm. uh, gay, uh, gay men who adopted a child and the same levels of oxy were in their uh, system. So it's just all around bonding and it's, it's just a evolutionary trait. So you can't kind of uh, replace that with Slack uh, or Microsoft Teams. This just has to, people will still have to meet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, this is the kind of reality that uh, is kind of forcing this issue upon us even earlier, right? Like one of the bigger issues is with this screen addiction. Uh, there's an age, age where if children who see people eye to eye, they get trained that way and the comfort level that happens. And if you miss a stage or don't have enough interaction, you, your brain doesn't program, uh, the reward system doesn't look into the eye to eye contact. And most of the kids, especially like uh, the generations go down, like, generation I think the Z you're on now is yeah. like they're seeing they're having less and less eye contact situations because they're more screen based that people aren't looking people face to face and they're talking because they don't they're not been programmed almost right but since uh through that social contact right with people. In, a, in a wild thought experiment do the do generation mm -hmm. Z have an have a evolutionary advantage during the pandemic right exactly <laughs> so I mean I think what's really benefiting is the machine age Right? Yeah. The rise of machines being able to be the interface between humans 
and to provide a different layer of transactability between us. Be, you know, so um, that's really what, it, what what's being held in here is being people being forced to rely more on this, right? Rather than you know that face to face, like you know, like uh, shaking hands and meeting face to yeah. face, right? Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is the power behind it. Like we have now the capability because we're doing um, like you know virtual podcast now, video podcast. Right. Uh, we can now do in two to three weeks what uh, the amount of content it took us a year to do. Of course, it's easier to meet people. It's much easier to do this, yeah. to schedule this, and, and do it. But to do this pre-COVID nineteen would have been an issue because people were like, "Oh, this is a Zoom call. Like, what's you know, it, it's not as valued as coming into a set with four K cameras and all this stuff." Like, the value we provided was this amazing appeal. Hey, come here. Right. But now it's like we can't do this. So the standard has changed. Yeah. For people, the mindset. What? What? So it, it, yeah. Go on. Go on. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, what, what COVID's done is it's kind of amplified the stuff that doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and stuff that you could do better. So in your case, this is a good way of doing podcasts, actually, versus me coming yeah. out of the studio, you renting out a studio and all that stuff. So this works great for you. And I'm sure there's going to be dozens and dozens of businesses that realize that, you know what, the way we were doing things was broken. And we were doing things because we thought that was the only way of doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I am sure the consulting business that I work for, we don't really need an office, right? Mm-hmm. Our clients are all remote. So the office is just there as a token placeholder, right? And just because of societal norms, we have an office. Um, yep. So businesses like ours and podcasts and a lot of other tech businesses are probably going to realize that, you know what, you don't need like accountants. Do accountants really need to be at the office all the time, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, unless you're an accountant that's dealing with clients, but if you're just doing like tax and a bunch of other uh, boring stuff that I find boring, you don't really need to be in an office. So businesses like those will probably go remote for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and like talking about that, right, the change, even after coming back from this evolution, I think the real winners here are like the co-working spaces that can, that can survive this. Because... Yeah. You know, it's like if you survive this and come back and suddenly people don't want to go to office anymore, yeah. people will still, you know, need to have like meetup credits or boardroom credits to go and meet up, have a boardroom or meet face to face. It's going to be a, be a trend. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back, right? It will. Um, but, um, and then the co-working spaces that kind of survive are the ones we're going to benefit from. Yeah. But talking about that, like uh, one of the guests that came on this talk had a really a great uh, story he said about the about the Spanish flu that you mentioned earlier, right? The Spanish flu uh, lasted in, in our environment for about three years before it kind of like subside. Mm-hmm. And that one due to like, yeah, human, uh, human intervention by drugs and vaccines, but also it just kind of naturally subsided as people, the infection rates went up and then people who died off died off and people who could survive and anti- with antibodies stayed on. But it um, took three years for it to come out and get out of our system. Uh, so it took after three, uh, three years, it two to three years again for people to get used to coming outside and shaking hands again and doing regular visits, right? It depopulated entire cities in, in, uh, in, uh, in parts of Europe and, and caused huge disruptions. So comparing that to this is that each month that goes by might mean a month or two of recovery for just people's behavior to get back to normal, quote unquote, right? I believe so. And I think that's definitely going to happen. Like mm-hmm. this year, pretty much 
I think everyone will spend most of their time in, indoors this year. And, you know, I keep hearing about a massive worldwide coronavirus party that will happen eventually uh, once we've gone past this. But I actually don't think it will probably happen. I think people will kind of be freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, as the death rates start to rise, if the United States actually gets to 100, 200,000 uh, people that have died, that is a big deal, right? Like, that number is tiny compared to the population of USA, but that is a, like, that's a massive number, right? And the ripple effect that 200,000 deaths will have uh, is wild on the economy, on, on just people's mental health. Um, it, it's kind of like, you know, you know in Avengers uh, where like Thanos snaps half the and half of America and they're just kind of like, there's tons of like uh, meeting, um, group meetings and grief counseling and stuff. That's what's going to happen in America, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so people aren't going to party once this is over. I think there's going to be a, like you said, couple of years of just like recovery of people trying to get back to normal. And maybe in like five years, six years, we'll kind of have this like new norm if we can even find it. Um, because I think along with uh, all this technology stuff, there's also a negative aspect of it where you'll find a lot more companies, a lot more people open to giving up more privacy and more data for the sake of good health, right? Uh, yes. if, you know, in China, I was just reading that they have drones flying around and if they catch you without a mask, they will like basically yell at you. Right, uh, yep. speaker will turn on and yell at you. And so, while I don't think it can happen in North America, but a lot more subtle stuff can happen in North America. People might be more willing to give up, you know, their their health data, their Fitbit data, to the government to track them to see if uh, they're about to develop a flu or any sort of sickness. So, like yep. these subtle things add up. And then, in like ten years, we might just be in a place in society where we're not as draconian as China but we are giving up as much as information as China is, as Chinese citizens mm-hmm. are to their government. So it's going to be an interesting balance. And I think there's a lot more people. So my question, I guess my question is, does it have to go to a government, right? Can it come go to some kind of uh, decentralized system, right? Well, that, that's the hope, right? But mm-hmm. there, there, there's a sinister thing behind this, which is underlying in everything, which is money, right? And yeah, government, okay. private businesses, you know, you're gonna have all these big tech companies say, cool, we have the infrastructure to deal with this, right? Decentralization and stuff, no one really is the number one player there and no one really has all that funding. And as much as I would love to open source, uh, you, you, you're not gonna get a million engineers uh, or even 100,000 engineers working in open source dedicating resources to build server farms to handle all this data. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about if everyone is even sending like their heart rate up to the government, for example, uh, to monitor for sicknesses, that's a lot of data. So you, decentralization is wishful thinking, I think. I think what we will yeah. see is, uh, you know, governments working with big companies like Amazon um, that are already have the infrastructure in place and the technology in place to start um, capitalizing on this. No, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that you're absolutely right. The private private giants are going to really, really take, take advantage of the situation where because they have the infrastructure to deploy this right now. Yeah, they're in a prime position right now. Like they, yeah. they've already been able to deploy this and they already are doing this for, you know, Amazon has a big contract with uh, the CIA and NSA. 
And then there's that whole Jedi contract with the Pentagon that uh, Microsoft has. So these guys already have the infrastructure to handle a shit ton of data, right? So it, it's totally, you're not gonna get, you know, a decentralization like IPFS or any of these technologies suddenly get all this funding to kind of deploy all this uh, service space and everyone in the world's gonna install IPFS and go dedicate five gigabytes of their hard drive. It's not gonna happen. Mm. Yeah. As much as yeah, I would yeah, love yeah. for it to happen, I think I'm just more of a realist uh for when it comes to this stuff right so i mean one of the one of the topics uh like that i really like following is idea of like ubi open open data and also uh, transparency right in organizations so i think we really have an opportunity here with the disruptions going on to radically change our society and how we function and uh, like, and the, the thing is, the, the fuel, the, the passion behind it is coming from uh, innovators and entrepreneurs around the world, right? Like people, people who have already stepped up and saying, you know, what can I do? How can I, how can I have an impact? I talked to, you know, I went from investors to like engineers to salespeople. They're like, no, like the first time I'm not looking at things as ROI. The ones who are active in the market right now, they're not looking at revenue. They're just, you know, like they know that people are not spending money right now. So they're looking at what impact can I have? What can I do now that we have an impact, you know? And then later when the economy frees up, we can, you know, we can, we can transfer this into a commercialized business or something, right? What are you seeing right now? Like any cool projects that are sticking out? You know, before that, I, I want to add, you know, in, in a rational world, um, that is what all countries should be doing also. You have, yeah. in a rational world, all countries should say, look, we're going to stop and we're gonna stop doing what we're doing and we're gonna start producing at mass ventilators, uh, math, whatever we can to get rid of it, right? Yeah. And not only are we gonna produce it for ourselves, we're gonna produce it for the poor countries because the reality is it might go away from Canada, but it might still linger on in like South Africa, Mexico, these underdeveloped places that don't have access to healthcare uh, mm -hmm. as much. And then suddenly it'll make another return, right? But this time it'll be like, the sequel where it's mutated and it's like two times as worse. And so I think all in a rational economy, that's what needs to happen. Unfortunately, the world is not rational and we're not going to see that. So it's good that entrepreneurs uh, are, are stepping up because that, you know, change does happen from even a small thing. And like one of the cool things I saw, I think Trudeau was talking about this the other day was there was a, a startup in Waterloo that started building, um, uh, dividers for hospitals, yeah. right? So we can keep yeah. these quarantine patients separate. Like small little innovations like that go a long way in preventing this. So I think startups and entrepreneurs can go far uh, in helping local societies. And there might be some that even end up helping other countries, but the governments also need to step up. And that's where, you know, when you're talking about UBI and stuff, the government needs to take more responsibility here. Um, definitely. I think America, I mean, Canada's doing a great job, but we could all do better. America's doing like the worst job in the world. Um, yeah. Like, hands down, America is going to be a great case study on things what not to do. You know, I don't agree with anything what, with China, what China does, their human rights and everything, terrible country. However, one thing they did really well was get everything just shut down and fix the problem, right? Uh, because... Yeah. I, I think that's one of the big differences of like a democracy versus an authoritarian. It's not just China, like almost all Eastern Bloc nations. Almost yeah. everyone in, in Asia, like especially East Asia, South Asia, they're doing an amazing job. 
Yeah, I mean, India, India, India is questionable, and I say it's questionable because India's infrastructure isn't ready to handle 1.5 billion people shutting down. You know, when I first read it, I thought it was a good idea, and and that's mainly because of two things. My view of India has been very distorted by watching Bollywood over the years, um, and I don't pay attention to Indian politics. But when I really mm. started thinking about it. Um, there's a lot of people in India, like for us, working from home is a, working from home is just that. We're working from home. Now there's some people complaining and whatever, but you know what? In India, working from home is a luxury, right? Because yeah. there's, there's so many people in India right now that only go home and their home is just a shelter that they can sleep in, right? They don't have a fridge. They don't have snacks, like stuff that we just think about. They don't have. All a home is is a mattress and probably like a mug of water, right? So now you're, you're forcing those people to stay in that condition. That's not only bad for, you know, how are they gonna buy food and stuff? They can't earn money. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, but not only that, it's bad for their mental health, right? Yeah. So the, a system like India, I don't know. I can't speak much to it other than just what I've observed. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think the shutting down the whole country, uh, it's a good idea, but I don't know if they went about it the right way. Right. Whereas China, if you look at what China did, and I was reading this uh, recently where China had a sort of like an app or a website where you, you could basically order food and someone would come and deliver this food to you. The government was just handing out food. Right. I don't yeah. know if charging or what that I'm not I'm, I'm not uh, I don't know about the economics there, but they, they had a system in place for this. And it's because they've dealt with this many times. Right. So I can see like, you know, Trump not wanting to shut down the entire country. It makes sense from one aspect uh, because he's just not, the country doesn't have the infrastructure to provide support to everyone to just like kind of shut down. But that's just kind of what needs to happen. So it's, a, it's like a catch 22. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, so more off on that, like one of the biggest fears right now is that uh, in America, especially if it does not, uh, take the necessary steps to contain this within their borders, the virus within their borders. And it goes off to like actually, like, you know, actually impact the, the population by killing 100,000, 200,000 people or infecting half a million. Uh, and the fear and the animosity and the things that will build up over time will turn the nation kind of like on a, on a downward spiral, right? Yeah. And during this period of, of like inward thinking and, and uh, dealing with this crisis, uh, they're kind of not ruling the world like they've been. You know, American kind of hegemony is kind of dying down. It has been going down for the past few decades anyways, but it seems like this is really a transformation in global politics as well. Of course. And not only is it a transformation for America, like global politics, this, you know, you have world leaders that are getting sick who might potentially mm -hmm. die. You had the finance minister in Germany. Uh, now, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a deeper conspiracy there or if he actually just became extremely frustrated and depressed and committed suicide, but you have things that are changing. And typically when, you know, when you have uh, administration leaving power, there's a handoff, right? And there's, there's a long time to think about how the transition will be. If leaders start dying randomly, uh, then there's no handoff in power and you're going to have to like kind of adapt uh, and, you know, new rules will come up very quickly. And so yeah. with America specifically, you know, there, there was a good book that I was actually watching a YouTube video on um, called The Shock Doctrine. And this was a video yeah. on Intercept. Naomi Campbell? 
Yeah, I think so. And the shock doctrine really talks about in when there's when there's crises like this, um, you know, things that weren't normal just kind of become uh, normal, and yep. uh, policies are accelerated. You already saw Trump, and I don't know how many people have kind of even paid attention, but like migrants and stuff, everything's shut off right now in America. Yep. Right? Canada kind of just said we're we're stopping this, right? And so there's a lot of things that just kind of happen that kind of go unsaid because everyone just wants to live. And so definitely there's going to be a big political change in America. The rational side of me says that people are going to realize that Trump was a bad leader. Um, there was a good article I read, uh, Washington Post and New York Times. Um, you know, you keep hearing uh, Nassim Taleb's uh, Black Swan being cited a lot about how Black Swan, you know, coronavirus is a Black Swan. But the article actually got into a, a very good point that I actually believe in more. I don't think coronavirus is the Black Swan. I think having Trump and this radicalized alt-right style uh, leadership in power is the Black Swan, right? Mm. And these guys have like woefully underprepared to deal with any of this um, pandemic stuff. Like, you know, even if George Bush was in power, he could have probably dealt with this in a much better way. Um, so the black swan is the political climate that has been kind of bubbling for the past few years. Uh, and you see this in the UK, you see this uh, in America. Luckily, you don't see this in Canada, right? Canada has been kind of into this so far. Uh, as much as I don't agree with anything with Doug Ford, he's done a great job. Uh, and, and that kind of shows you about you don't have to believe in someone's political values for them to not be a good leader. Um, so Doug Ford, Trudeau, these guys have stepped up. Uh, they're doing a good job, but yeah, America's gonna change. And this, the garbage thing is, if you know, as America changes, it's gonna change the whole world with it, right? The Canadian economy is gonna be impacted severely if the American economy keeps tanking. Um, you're gonna have the UK economy tank a lot too. China, everything, everything's gonna be affected by America. Yeah. So let's talk about part of this, like, you know, the shock doctrine talks a lot about how economic shocks or cultural shocks or wars or natural disasters, uh, they can be used as a catalyst point for great change, right? Whether for good or bad, but for nefarious purposes or for positive purposes, right? This is where radical thinking, thinking can come into effect. And already we're seeing policies that are already happening, right? Like UBI being discussed and being delivered to, which has almost seemed like impossible. A month ago, it seemed like UBI, just a radical thought, can never happen, but now it seems like one of the only things that they can do. You know, what's your thoughts on UBI and other radical thoughts that can be applied in this situation? You know, we talked about this on the podcast when I was there before too. I, I strongly believe there should be a UBI. You know, there's this whole argument about, well, people are just gonna waste their money. Well, if they want to, they can, right? Yep. Better for the economy if they waste their money. but. Honestly, everyone should get UBI because a um, thousand, you know, a thousand dollars a month, a thousand two hundred dollars a month, that's not enough to pay rent, but that's enough to stop worrying, right? Yeah. And I think UBI is not a um, uh, a placeholder to like, you know, people think you you getting UBI means you're gonna sit at home play games all day. No, you're just not gonna worry about having to deal with two three jobs, right? Uh, you're just going to have to now worry about one job. You're going to have to think about how to be the best at your job. And you're going to have that mental clarity to be able to come at home and like deal with 
family issues, deal with normal everyday stuff that you didn't have time to. Um, there's a great case study. There's been lots of research around poverty actually ending up causing brain changes, right? And poverty actually causes you to start stop thinking in a long-term view and start in a very short-term manner. And I think yeah. EDI will get rid of that poverty. And over the course of decades, even shorter maybe, you'll start seeing a in the human condition, the people that are living in poverty who will finally be able to make decisions that are good for them in the long term. Uh, and so I strongly believe, and you know, this might be, I hope it is, coronavirus could be the thing that causes UBI to actually uh, become mainstream. I, just a matter of who does it first. Does Canada do it first or America? Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's a great idea. And, Clearly, America can afford it, and so can Canada, because they're they're able to give money out this way, right? So just don't spend all this money on defense uh, for America, even Canada. So I think I think this is a good thing for sure. Absolutely. What about any other radical like uh, ideas, right? Like, is any other big kind of ideas to deploy right now that you support or think about? Well, I mean, in general, healthcare. That's. I mean, that yeah. doesn't radical for Canadians, but like this seems radical for, for some weird fucking reason. I don't know what the hell wrong with them. Uh, like the idea that, you know, I was talking to my friend, she lives in Los Angeles. She, uh, she used to work in Canada. She's a Canadian. And so she was telling me when she was in Canada, she never had to think about healthcare, right? And growing up, I've grown up in Canada, even till like this moment, I don't really think about what I'm going to do when I get sick. I just know that I'm going to go to a doctor and like get medicine and I'll be fine. Right. But if you, she was telling me that she doesn't think that way anymore because she knows she's gonna have to pay a lot of money. Right. And I was uh, traveling. Whenever I travel, I try to find one person. I try this one poor person I'll find uh, that will, that I will just end up start talking to. Right. Um, yep. And like this, this poor guy or girls is gonna be like, shit, this person's going to talk to me the whole plane ride. But it is true. I will talk to you the whole plane ride and I will probe you <laughs> for your entire lifestyle. So last time I was traveling to Washington a couple of months ago, just as coronavirus was growing, uh, the airports were quiet, slightly quiet. And I spoke to this uh, guy and he lives in, he lives in Washington, I think, or he was traveling to Ohio. I'm not sure, but he was a trucker. And uh, he told me that um, he is, uh, two things. He is a divorced, but he's forced to live with his wife and kids because he can't afford alimony. And number two, uh, he is constantly afraid that his kids are going to be sick because if his two daughters get sick, he feels that he's going to go into financial bankruptcy, right? Which to me is mind boggling, right? Not only do you have to live with the person that you don't, clearly don't get along with. And I, I kind of asked him why they broke up and he told me it was because of money issues. So like mm -hmm. if you, if you look at UBI, it not only will it solve a lot of these like mental health issues uh, and like improve people's mental health, but it should also solve or, or at least uh, help uh, marriages and relationships, right? Money, there, there'll be less fights about money because you know that at least we have a safety net of $1,000 coming every month. So, yeah. and then along with that healthcare, so now you have UBI, which is a safety net, then healthcare, which is also a safety net. Um, then at that point, you can do whatever you want. If you want to go be a farmer, 
If you want to like sit at home and not do anything, then go ahead, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And if, most people won't. Most people will want to go out work because UBI is just enough to make them stop worrying. No, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Um, and one of the main reasons why in Canada, I think we talked about in the earlier podcast too, has more per capita innovators. People have feel comfort of taking leaps and taking risks because they have healthcare. Yep. Right? How much more people have a, have a faith in, this, in, in themselves and their system uh, to, uh, to cushion them if they ever fall, if uh, there can be some kind of guaranteed income coming in. I mean, that's yeah. really what we're taking a bank on, right? We're betting on people who want to better themselves, better the situation, and give them the comfort of knowing that if, anything that, if you ever do fall, you have this uh, here for you. Exactly. And, you know, it's ironic because America wants to be the greatest country on earth. Then give your people a good quality of life, and truly you will be an amazing country, right? Like, I think Canada is by far one of the greatest countries on earth. And that's because yeah. we have safety nets. And why wouldn't it? It's not cheating. It's, it's basic uh, quality of life. If you get that basic yeah. quality of life, you will for sure see more innovators. You'll see the economy increase more. You'll see people's quality of life increase. People will just be nicer to each other. Uh, it's just, it just makes for, a, it's a good recipe. In theory, it makes sense. So I don't know what the hell uh, America's always thinking of uh, not doing this. <laughs> Even for capitalism, Absolutely. think about capitalism, right? The argument I hear is, well, because America's a capitalistic society. You know what? Even capitalism, it makes sense for all your user base to be healthy and your user base to have disposable income. If your entire user base is sick and dying and doesn't have user, uh, disposable income, what business are you going to run? Right, yep. so the government is yeah. giving them good healthcare and UBI, and great for capitalism. People will make more money. America has crony capitalism, which is like corrupt Wall Street, but that's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, UBI really is a case for capitalism. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Right. So, how do we how do we foster this kind of environment? What can we do to uh, build an environment where we trust each other and we want to take bets on each other to? Uh, taking a bit of leaps of going and bettering ourselves. How could we pull together? You know, I strongly believe in the pay it forward attitude, right? And one of the reasons why I, I set up this like LinkedIn post, Twitter post of just like people reaching out to me and stuff is that I believe that if I were to help someone else out, that that will inspire them to go help someone else out. Right. Mm. And I've, I've been helped a lot. Um, you know, people have taken bets on me. And I am where I am because of these people. And so I kind of take bets on other people. It's not a big waste of my time just talking to someone for 30 minutes, but it might, that might mean, um, you know, a, big, a successful business or a failure business for them, right? Or mm -hmm. it, might, it might give them an idea. Like the person I was talking to yesterday, he had a very interesting idea, and, but I kind of walked him through it. And at the end of it, we realized that this doesn't make economic sense right now, nor is society ready for this idea? And so that saved them a lot of time. And I also gave him a lot of resources on how to go and ask better questions because what he was doing was just asking his friends, do you think this is a good idea? Everyone's gonna tell you it's a good idea, right? Uh, until you actually ask them the right way. And so I think as a society, we just need to kind of help each other out more. And as fluffy as it sounds, um, it, it's the truth, right? If, if you know, I help you out, you know, I'm not expecting anything back in return, but you will know that, look, someone, people help each other out. So if someone comes up to you and says, hey, you have 10 minutes of your time, you'll say yes, and you'll help them out. 
and on and on and on. Perfect. I absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, we're going to, let's end, end the podcast there. So I love that last uh, sentiment. Cool. Uh, sentiment. Uh, thank you for coming on man, and talking again about uh, your thoughts on what's happening. Um, let's stick around for about five minutes after this and we'll just uh, end, the, end the debrief there. But uh, for everyone who tuned in, thanks for watching guys. Take care.